If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, we'll begin at verse 1 and read tonight through verse 15. Hear now the word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we finished up with John chapter 4, and we saw a son of an official hill. And in that healing, we saw three things, three examples, and an example of those who seek Christ with wrong motives. An example of those who have true faith in God's Word. And finally, an example of how God's salvation comes to families. And we continue on tonight, and we read in verse 1, after this, There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. As he went up to that feast, we find and see another healing taking place, another miracle performed by our Lord. Now, why did Jesus come performing miracles? Well, one reason was to call men's attention to his divine authority. Jesus proved by way of His miracles that He was God come in the flesh. As men saw that Jesus was the Messiah, they would receive His words as they saw the miracles, as as words of life, and they would be forced to ask this question, could this be the Christ? 
Could this be the Messiah that had long been promised? All of the miracles, which we do not have all of them given to us in Scripture, the Bible is clear. We don't have everything that Jesus did or said because there would not be enough books in all the world, says John at the end of his Gospel, to contain what he said or what he did. But all of the miracles that Jesus performed point to the authority of Christ. It points to the fact that Jesus was not just an ordinary man. He is a man. He is fully man, but at the same time, fully God. And He is the Messiah that God promised to His people. And so tonight, as we have the, the healing of this invalid, this man, we see the divine authority and the power of Jesus. But the first thing we see tonight are the devastating effects of sin. As Jesus goes up to the feast, the, He comes to Jerusalem by the sheep gate, and there's a pool, an Aramaic called Bethesda, that has five roof colonnades. And in these, did you get, there was a multitude of invalids. A great many of, of blind and lame and, and paralyzed. Now, why is it that so many people suffer physically and spiritually? We know the answer to that. Many do not. Those of the world, they just think it's bad luck or chance or, or something else. We know why. It's because of, of sin. Before the fall of our first parents, there was no disease, no sickness, no, no sin, no death. In the curse to Adam, God told him this, In the, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For Adam you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. That, that is what we will all face as long as the Lord tarries, being returned to dust and death. And so with the fall of our first parents came not only sin, but physical and spiritual death, came all of these sicknesses and diseases that we, we know of and hear of. And, and, and Jesus saw that firsthand as He came to this place. In the multitude of the people there, this one lame man, we see the devastating effects of sin. But in what we see at that pool, we also see as a picture of the Jewish nation at that time. Now, as we find these invalids lying there, we ask why would they lay there? There was a thought that the waters, when they stirred up, they had healing properties. And so if they could get into those waters, they would be healed. And so here they are waiting around this pool, waiting for the waters to be stirred up. And, and in a very real sense, they are a picture of the Jewish nation at that time. The, the Jewish nation, they were sick, they were impotent, they had the law but they were unable to keep it. They were blind. They were blind to their own wretchedness, blind to their desperate need, blind to the divine glory which stood right before them in Jesus. They were lame or paralyzed, for they were unable to walk righteously before God's law, even though they thought they did. And they were waiting for the moving of the water. 
They were waiting for the promised Messiah to come. And there he is with them. And they are ignorant of the fact that he was in their very presence. And so here is this man, lame for 38 years, waiting for the waters to be stirred up, waiting for someone to pick him up and place him in those waters, hoping beyond hope for a cure and a healing of his body. And then comes Jesus. And the second thing we see is the great mercy and compassion of our Lord to this man in verses 6 through 9. Now, in verse 6, we read, When Jesus saw him lying there, here all these people, all these folk waiting for the waters to be stirred, stirred up, and, and Jesus sees this one man lying there. And Jesus knew they had already been there a long time. Now, what drew Jesus to this man? Well, it was the divine plan of God. Just like with the woman at the well in Samaria, Jesus went and He sees this man and He has compassion upon him. And He asks him a question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? I think any of us in that predicament, we would say, yes, make me well. Jesus asked this question to this man to impress upon him the utter helplessness of his condition. He could not move. He could not go into the water even if it was stirred up. He would have to depend on someone else. And that's what he says in verse 7 to the Lord. Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Now, we do not know how long this man had been going. Maybe he had been going ever since his birth after finding out he was lame and his parents may have taken him there hoping that they could put him in that pool. But whatever or however long he had been going, he had not been healed by, by those waters. Now, in his answer, he was not focused on Christ, but on the waters themselves. He was thinking, I must be put in these waters if I could just... Get there. If I could somehow find the way to get in that pool as those waters are stirred up, I would be healed of my disease. John Calvin said this, the diseased man was, does what almost all, all of, of us are wont to do. For he limits the assistance of God according to his own thought and does not venture to promise to himself anything more then he conceived in his mind. In other words, he did not even think that Jesus would heal him. He had to be put in the water. If he could only get into the water. Jesus says in verse 8, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. We again see the life-giving power of the Word of God. Now notice, Jesus doesn't touch him. He touches others in their healing, but not him. He just merely gives him a command. Get up. Get up, pick up your bed, and walk. And the man did it. He had confidence in the words 
that Jesus spoke. As, as Jesus tells him to take up his bed, Jesus was saying to this man, your cure is complete. It's not some false cure that you see so many false prophets today give. When he tells him to walk, Jesus is saying to the man, you are unable to walk into the water. You could not walk in order to be cured, but now that you are made whole, walk. Now as the man gets up, it shows faith in the words that Jesus spoke. If he did not believe in those words, he would have stayed there. He would still be waiting for someone to put him in the water. But no, he immediately got up, he was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. This is the great compassion and mercy of our Lord upon sinners. Again, this man was an invalid, not because of necessarily any personal sin he had committed, but because of the sin that was brought into the world. Then there's a third thing we see tonight, and it is this, that man-made religion condemns the soul. It is here in John chapter 5 that we begin to see the religious leaders of Israel coming out more and more in opposition against the Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of verse 9, we read that now that day was the Sabbath. At that time, it was Saturday, the first day of the week, the Jewish Sabbath. And in verse 10, the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed and walk. Now, why would they say that? Because they had made certain regulations, certain rules for the Sabbath that God had not made. Let me just give you a, a couple of examples in that. It was said according to these types of, of man-made commandments that a woman was forbidden to dress her hair or paint her eyelids for she would then be engaged in the forbidden work of building or dying. Another man-made commandment or rule that they made concerning the Sabbath was this. One must not put vinegar on one's teeth in an attempt to soothe the ache. That would be a forbidden act of healing, but it was permitted to take vinegar in the ordinary course of a meal, and the rabbis added, if he is healed, he is healed. Oh, nowhere do we find such in Scripture. Nowhere do we find that one cannot do a work of necessity or mercy on the, the Christian Sabbath, or this time the, the Jewish Sabbath. No, Jesus tells us, and He came, part of that coming was to, to clarify what it is to, to have the Sabbath. He kept the Sabbath on behalf of His people. He kept it for all of us here tonight perfectly, and, and many times we are not perfect in our Sabbath keeping, but Jesus was. And they were following their own law instead of the law of God. According to one work, there were 39 classes of man-made regulations that the Jews put upon the people. Here was one of those regulations. They told this man, well, 
It is not proper for you to take up your bed and walk on the Sabbath. They asked who the man was who said you take up your bed and walk. And the man didn't have an answer. He did not know who he was. Jesus had left. He had gone through the crowd. There were many there in the crowd. and Jesus had withdrawn. And then the fourth thing we see is that Jesus reminds or tells this man that, that with that new physical life, there was required a new spiritual life. Now, it seems this man knew what to do because after his healing, where is he going? Where does he go? He goes to the temple. That's where Jesus finds him. He's probably going there to offer a sacrifice to God for his grace and, and mercy to him, a, a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving. And there Jesus finds this man. He has a word for him again. See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Now Jesus reminds him that it was sin that brought upon physical infirmity. And Jesus says, sin no more. Because if you do, something worse may happen. It could be a, a worse physical condition. That Jesus here speaks of. But it seems in the context that the Lord, the worst thing is spiritual. Here this man has been healed by the compassion and grace and mercy of God. And Jesus tells him to repent of sin, to go and sin no more, to turn to him so that he may have spiritual life. So that nothing worse would happen. Now we do not know if this man believed. Some do believe that he believed in the Lord. But this man did go and do something. He went and he told the Jews who healed him. Now that will set up for what we will find in next week and the claims that Jesus was making again, how this opposition is rising against the Lord. It is rising by the Jewish leaders, leaders who should have known better, leaders who should have been looking to Christ as their Messiah. Now, what application can we make here tonight? Well, first of all, hopefully we understand the devastating effects of sin and they are all around us. We see it in physical ailments and disease and, and sickness. We're seen to have no, no cure. But more importantly than that, what does that reveal to us? It reveals to us our need of Christ. It reveals to us our need of the Lord Jesus before we die in this world and go and face Him. All of us, spiritually speaking, were, before God's grace saved us, were a, a multitude of people who were impotent and powerless to keep God's law, blind to that fact, paralyzed to walk righteously before God. And we were waiting for some miraculous sign instead of looking to Christ. 
But then God came simply not with a miraculous sign, but for most of us, simply through preaching. Through the foolishness of the message preached, men are saved. And we heard that particular sermon and God opened our hearts by by the Holy Spirit. He showed us our plight without the Lord Jesus and He drew us to the Son. And we came willingly. We came knowing that Jesus was our only answer and the only answer we had to our sin and the only way for eternal life. We were chosen by God from before the foundation of the world to come to Christ. But now there are are many around us who need that same truth. Many who are blind spiritually and they they cannot see, they cannot hear the Word of God and they need to, to be made alive and quickened by the Spirit, but they need one to go to them and tell them. To tell them of Christ. To tell them what they do not want to hear, that they are sinners under the wrath and anger of God without Jesus. To show them the devastating effects of sin that are around them. And point them to the one who is the life. Second, this man could not help himself. And this is a reminder that all sinners are unable to save themselves. Now a man in his pride will say, I can save myself. I'm good enough to... Do what God requires of me. I I do the best I can keeping the commandments of God. Certainly that should account for something. You know what Paul said concerning all of his accomplishments in the flesh? The fact that he was of the tribe of Benjamin. The fact that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is a Pharisee. That he is studied under the, the greatest of all time. Do you remember what he said? It is all... Rubbish, it's dung, it's it's manure compared to knowing Christ. We are reminded tonight that all men are helpless in salvation, that God is the one that must sovereignly act and save those who will be saved and redeemed. As Arthur Pink states, it is not until you discover we are helpless that we shall abandon our miserable efforts to weave a robe of righteousness for ourselves. It is not until we learn we are impotent that we shall look outside of ourselves to another. And that, that one that is that another is Jesus. Third, our man-made religion will never save us. Now, some don't like the word religion. You've heard people say this. Don't give me religion, give me Jesus. Christians, we are part of a religion. And it is the only one true religion, biblical Christianity. But when we make up our own religion, as the, the religious leaders of Jesus they had done, as the Pharisees and Sadducees had done, and their attempt to do what earned their righteousness before God and earned their way of heaven to heaven, it will never save anyone. It just further condemns them. Now this 
is a truth that many around us need to hear because we live in a place where the majority of people are doing what? They're trying to earn enough merit to get to heaven. And even if they can't earn enough merit, maybe someone else who's earned enough will pray them out of, of purgatory and finally one day they will get to heaven. And is that the religion that saves? And the answer is no. The only saving religion is found in Jesus. It is found in the fact that, that He is the only one who can save sinners. He is the only one that gave the sacrifice for sin that God required. And we must look to Him and His finished work, not to our righteousness. We have none. We look to His. Our man-made rules and regulations will only lead us where? To hell. Never to happen. Fourth, we know tonight that many of us here, we have been given spiritual life because of what? We deserve it? No. Because of God's grace. Again, as we see in this man, as we see in all of those people there by that pool called Bethesda, blind, lame, paralyzed. We see what sin has done in this world. It has brought upon this world and upon us the wrath and curse of God. And there is only one solution to that. And that is the one who healed this man who said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus was commanding him to do that. And that means we must come to the one who healed this man. We must come to Christ in faith and repentance. Now we see tonight Jesus healing the body of this man. And even tonight we have prayed that Jesus would heal the bodies of some of our own members. Can He do that? Yes. We pray for that. We will continue to pray for that until Jesus takes these folks home into glory or until He heals them. He has the power to do that. But there's something more important than the healing of the body. And that is the, the raising of the soul from the spiritual dead and giving life to sinners. And so Jesus has a command tonight to all who are, who are dead in their sin. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, as it goes out to all, we know the dead can't hear anything. How can they do it? Only if God quickens them and gives them life. Every Lord's Day within our midst, there are those who are spiritually dead and we pray that God would quicken their hearts and, and give life to them as they heed that gospel call that goes out. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Come and believe in Jesus and all of your sins will be forgiven. You'll be given life. Not just in this life, but in the life to come. That is the call to us tonight. Come to Christ. Find that healing for your sin, sick and dead soul.
Sin leads only to death. It never gives life, does it? The wages of sin is death, Paul tells us. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That free gift is given to all who will come this evening. Come to Christ. Forsake your sin. And as Jesus tells you to get up and take up your bed and walk, you will do just that. And then you will be able to sing of that marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. And God give us the grace to come and to trust and to believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and we thank you Oh, Lord, as we have a physical healing given to us in the Gospel of John, that we see our desperate plight spiritually. And Father, I pray for any who are here tonight in need of of being given life spiritually, that you would give them life by your Spirit. That you would change their heart. That you would, as you change their heart, show them their sin and their need of the Lord Jesus. And we know that if you are doing that, you will not leave them in their sin, but you will call them to Christ. Lord, we ask and pray that you would do that here this evening. And Father, we ask and pray that we who are already in Christ, that we would go and tell others That we would go and show them the Christ of the Holy Scriptures and remind them that their so-called righteousness will not save them, but only condemn them. And only the righteousness of Jesus will save. Oh Lord, give us boldness to do that. Give us love for those who are in need of hearing it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.